Okay, let me pray and we'll start. Lord, we love you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill me to overflowing. You'd manifest your gift of teaching in me. And I pray that you'd soften our hearts, that we might uh, understand and know your gifts the way you would want us to, and really understand that they are gifts and that they are ours. And Lord, that you would just show us how to use them and uh, just help us to uh, be, uh, you know, a little more wise as far as how we can use these gifts on your behalf and, and then just reveal the gifts to us and, and give us the gifts that you'd want us to have. So Lord, we, we praise you and we thank you uh, for this opportunity and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in this series of uh, spiritual gifts, which has been really, really good because we've been able to focus in on all of these wonderful gifts and specifically what the gifts mean, what their, uh, what their job basically is in our lives and how they work. And tonight we're going to be looking at uh, three gifts in particular, the first of which is discernment of spirits, not just discernment, but discernments of spirits. And then we're going to be looking at, at tongues and interpretation of tongues. So really good, really good stuff tonight. And it's a lot of information. I'm going to try to get through it uh, as quickly as I can. Uh, but as I go through this, uh, maybe some of these things will become a little more clearer for you. And uh, then we'll have an opportunity at the end to receive some of these gifts. Well, discernment of spirits or discernment of evil spirits, the working definition of that is the ability to distinguish or identify what spirit is influencing a person, people, group, or region. Now, how many of you took spiritual warfare? Almost everybody. So in spiritual warfare, we talk about the fact that there are all kinds of demons. They have all kinds of, uh, those demons have all kinds of jobs. We have demons that are over regions, and those are called principalities. Uh, and then at the deliverance level, we deal with 14 principal spirits uh, primarily. And of course, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, of spirits that you will deal with. But 14 principal ones that the Bible talks about very clearly in Scripture. Uh, and they are infirmity, fear, divination whoredom, bondage, haughtiness, perverseness, the spirit of an antichrist, which we talked about in our last series, heaviness, lying, jealousy, stupor or slumber, error or falsehood. Now, these are 14 root spirits. They're listed in the Bible, and specifically the Bible talks about these spirits tormenting uh, those of us that are here on earth. And as we go through life, we might find that we have issues with some of these demons. Some specific demons may come against us, and that is, they usually are, are, are they come around our, our hot button issues, uh, whether our hot button issue is gossip or lust or lying. I mean, there's that demon that goes with it that can cause us to stumble and understand that those 14 principal spirits are all there to carry out the goal of their master, Lucifer, which is to steal, kill, and to destroy. Well, discernment or discernment of spirits is an incredible tool that the Lord uses to protect us and guide us to help bring healing and deliverance to others. The Lord reveals the source of spiritual activity on behalf of another person so that you can help them with whatever it is they're going through. Now, we use this gift a lot in our restoration ministry. And for those of you that went through uh, spiritual warfare, you might have or already gone through deliverance. And within deliverance, this gift is used a lot to help the person get freedom. And so as you were in that deliverance session, uh, you were assigned a team, that team prayed over you, and you might have even been amazed at some of the things that the Lord told them on your behalf. And for many of them, they were using the gift of discernment of spirits so that they could deal with what you were struggling with. 
Because, man, if you, if you know who you're fighting, it makes the battle that much easier. And that's just the way it is in any type of battle, whether it's a, a physical battle. I mean, if you're in the military, you need to know who the enemy is. You need to know what, how, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, how they react and act. And it's the same thing in spiritual warfare. We need to know what the demon is, and we need to know what they're called from a standpoint of, of how, they, how they manifest so uh, that we can better attack them uh, and, and deal with getting you freedom. Now, as you did that, you're probably thinking, how does that work? Like, how, how did they know that I was dealing with this? How, how does that discernment thing work? Well, it works. Uh, I'm going to give you four ways that it, it works. And know that this, risk, this list is not exhaustive, but this definitely are four of the most common ways that the, the discernment of spirits works. The first of which is the sensations in the physical body. So we have five senses. We have smell, touch, sight, the, the ability to hear and taste. And so sometimes God will use one of those five senses for you to be able to determine what demon you're dealing with. I've, I've talked to people before, and they, have act, they can smell a demon. So literally smell a demon. And they can distinguish sometimes from that smell what kind of demon it is. Now, I don't know how they do that. I don't know. It's like, ooh, that's, that's lying there. I mean, that, that's a stanky one. I don't know, and I'm making light of it, of course, but that is a way that you can discern a spirit or touch. Sometimes you can, you can touch a person, and as you touch them, you feel, you can distinguish an, an evil spirit that's bothering them. Sight. Uh, sometimes, like for myself, I may not be able to, to see, uh, literally see a demon, but I can see how it affects their, their body. So I might see that uh, they have a spirit of heaviness on them or they have a spirit of rejection. Sometimes you actually, people can actually see uh, a demon in the physical. Uh, sometimes you can just hear it. And now this is different than a word of knowledge that comes to your mind, but it's, a, it's an audible thing that you hear that tells you what kind of demon it is. Or taste. Uh, we have a person on our staff that will tell you that she can taste the demonic, and it's this foul taste, and it, it is discernment uh, of what that demon is. So that's one way. Another way is sensitivity in the soul. If you took that course, you know that soul, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. A lot of times when I'm praying over someone, I'll, I'll, get, a, I'll get real emotional as I'm doing this. And a lot of our team will, as they're praying over somebody, they might get very emotional. They may start crying. Uh, they may, or they may just be overjoyed as they're ministering to somebody. And in that situation, the Lord many times is trying to show you what the person is feeling or gives you a glimpse of what he's going to do in that person's life. So you can, it, it's really cool the, the way that he does that. But sometimes, you know, the Lord's just trying to show you how the person's feeling. Or, man, if, or you get a glimpse of, of their future and you can kind of speak some prophetic, uh, uh, some pr prophetic promises into their life, which is really, really cool. Uh, for me, uh, too, if I get a cloudiness in my mind as I'm dealing with somebody, that to me usually is the spirit of lust. That particular spirit, for some reason, it just makes my mind cloudy. So I use that for a, a way of discernment. Thirdly is external senses. So... We talked about in that course too, spiritual warfare, that a demon can actually cause the temperature in the room to change. And uh, in that class, we talked about the fact that, you know, paranormal activity and all of these ghost chasers and ghost hunters that go out, they have these meters that 
uh, gauge a room's temperature. And when what they call a ghost, but what we know as a demon comes into the room, uh, it will change or can change the temperature in the room. Maybe you uh, have some type of pain when you're ministering to somebody or praying over somebody. That may be the Lord telling you that, you know, this person has a spirit of infirmity on their knee or on their back. Uh, uh, last week uh, when we were praying for healing for people, Amelie came out to me and said, hey, my knee is hurting and my knee's not hurt. So that tells me that we need to pray over somebody, uh, pray over people in here that might have a knee issue. And so we said that and three, I think three different people came down with knee issues. So she used that as a discernment of spirits to determine what she needed to uh, call forward. It can affect your balance sometimes. So it can affect your equilibrium a little bit when you're dealing with somebody. Uh, and how it affects you can determine what kind of spirit that is. And sometimes it's just through practice to identify what spirit makes you feel certain ways. It just takes time to figure some of those things out. And then sometimes it's just a spontaneous comprehension or knowing. And uh, you can just identify a spirit by name. And, and this is kind of when God blends uh, the word of knowledge with discernment. And uh, for me... That I, I get that a lot. I get words of knowledge. So if, I, if I'm ministering to somebody and I start to pray over them, and or sometimes I will just walk by while a group is ministering to somebody, and God will give me whatever demon they are dealing with. Or he might say, uh, they haven't forgiven somebody. And I'll say, well, Lord, who is it, Lord? And I mean, he's, he'll just tell me in my mind, it's their mom or it's their their brother or whatever. So that, that discernment is just so helpful, especially when you get stuck in a deliverance session and you just feel like you're not making any headway. The Lord can give you that discernment to break through uh, some of those stalling points in deliverance. But have you ever, because sometimes I think we go, well, I don't know. I, I might have that. I might not. But, but ask yourself a few questions. Have you ever had a bad feeling about something and you were right? It, that could be discernment of spirits. It's, it could definitely be discernment. Um, suddenly felt weird when you pass through a different city or region. Have you ever felt that way? If I go to my hometown, I feel a spirit of heaviness as soon as I come in. And maybe that's because they know I'm coming and they're just like sending that vibe out because I was crazy back then when I was growing up. But no, I, I, and I, I actually... Um, I think that the reason that that is the case is because that area is very heavy uh, with with a Native American culture, especially Cocapelli. Cocapelli is definitely a spirit that is a lulling spirit or a heavy spirit. And so when I go home, or well, I don't even consider it home anymore because I haven't been there in so long, but when I go through there, I definitely can feel that. When I go uh, across the reservation, when we go to Arizona, I definitely can feel that. When I go into certain stores, especially if a store owner is Hindu and they have the Hindu god that is the elephant that plays his trunk, man, I can, I, I can feel that spirit before I ever see it. And so uh, that, that may affect you too. And if that's the case, you probably have the discernment of spirits, but you just don't, haven't, you haven't learned how to hone it yet. If you ever had a strange uh, thought pop into your mind that just came out of nowhere, an image or a feeling, uh, maybe to pray for another person or an area, that can also be a sign that you have that gift of discernment of spirits. But here's some specific manifestations. When you pray for a person, you may get a sudden pain, kind of like what we talked about before, tightness, tingling, stiffness, heat on somewhere in your body, a headache, etc. So something like that. 
and know that sometimes when that happens, you think, oh, I'm being attacked by the devil. It's usually not an attack. It's your body getting a readout so that you can identify specifically what demon you're dealing with. So sometimes the Lord will give you physical uh, manifestations to help you discern the spirit you're dealing with. Uh, sometimes it is a sudden thought. You cannot, now understand, you can't read other human thoughts and you're not supposed to, but the Lord can reveal the enemy planting thoughts in the, a person's head that they think are their own, but they're actually a stronghold. And a stronghold is the lie that a demon hides behind. And I can't tell you how many times that happens when I'm in deliverance, where, where the Lord will reveal the stronghold the person b- believes. He'll just tell me what it is. And I'll look at the person and I'll say something like, you don't think you're worthy of this. And they'll go, oh, you're right. How did you know that? It's just the Lord just, just telling me. Or um, you believe that, uh, you know, you believe you're, you're ugly, or you believe that you're never going to amount to anything, or you believe. And so sometimes the Lord will just reveal flat out the stronghold that that person has in their life, and then that way you can deal with it as well. When you begin to operate in the gift of discernment, you may have a few dis- dif- different manifestations of it. Sensing where evil spirits are, feeling where evil spirits are, uh, seeing cloudy or hazy forms. A lot of times when people see, literally see a demon, they, they uh, describe it as a, like a hazy form or a shadowy form. Identifying evil functions at work in and through people uh, is also another sign of this. So it, to give you this, this example, back in 2000, uh, we did a, or were a part of a team that um, did a deliverance seminar deliverance conference in Colorado Springs. And so we were on teams all weekend long uh, doing deliverance uh, on different different individuals. And so when you're in those environments, understand that the, the Holy Spirit cultivates you and hones your gift so that you'll have the tools you need to get through the weekend, even more so than, than normal. And so we, we, we had worked, uh, I think it was all day on Friday, all day on Saturday. And I think we went out on Saturday evening to get something to eat. And we, Rebecca and I were sitting there and I, we might've been with another couple, but I don't remember. And uh, um, she sees this, this, this interaction happen between these two people. And uh, she leans over to me and she goes, Tim, that guy has got the spirit of rape on him. And he is eyeing this girl, and I am afraid for her. And she was actually our waitress. And I go, well, you know, pray about it. I I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to do. And so she did, and she goes, I feel like I'm supposed to go talk to her. And I go, do it. So she waited, and the the, waitress actually ended up going in the restroom. And when she did, Rebecca followed her. And Rebecca said, hey, I just want to tell you, you know, you might think this is kind of weird, but you know the guy that's sitting out there and— He's dressed like this. He's kind of a big dude and, and kind of, you know, muscular. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, he comes in here uh, quite often. And she goes, well, I got a really bad spiritual sense that he wants to hurt you. And the girl is like, really? And, and Rebecca's like, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that means. You know, you might just make sure that somebody walks you to your car tonight or something. And she goes, then the girl said, you know, that guy has been around for a little while and he gives me the creeps. So it doesn't surprise me at all. So in that situation, we don't know what Rebecca or that discernment caused to not happen. And, and of course, the good thing is, is that Rebecca followed up on what that discernment was. And the thing is, is if you're getting a discernment, it's, it's for a reason. And you need to 
do something with that information. And the first thing you need to do with that information is pray. Just right there, go, okay, God, I know what you just gave me. Tell me what to do. And the second thing you need to do is follow whatever he says. So he may direct you to, you know, get out of there or, uh, you know, go talk to this person or pray more or don't do anything or wait or whatever it is. But you are getting that download for that person for a reason. And you do need to make sure uh, that you act on it. When we discern evil spirits or negative atmospheres, we should ask the Holy Spirit to release the opposite. Okay, so whatever we sense that is bad, we loose the opposite. And this is called flipping. Whatever you sense that is evil, bind it and release its opposite. So for an example, if you sense a heaviness or spirit of heaviness, you bind it. So you just say in Jesus name, bind that spirit of heaviness and then loose a fruit like joy. Because joy is op- would be opposite of heaviness. So in that instance, in Jesus name, bind the spirit of heaviness. And Lord, I pray now that you would just loose joy in this room or you would just, you would just loose joy in the atmosphere of where we're at right now. If you sense a sexual spirit, uh, bind it and then lose self-control. So because usually a sexual spirit is something that causes a person to act out of what they would normally act. So you say, Lord, instead, loose your fruit of self-control in that person. Forget worrying about the right name as far as what spirit you think it is and what the Bible might call it and focus more on the function, the function of what that spirit is. Whatever you feel, whatever you sense, it might, or whatever you hear, it might just be, you know, it's heavy. I feel heavy. Okay, in Jesus' name, bind the spirit that's heavy and loose, loose, uh, loose a spirit that's light. A loose, joyful spirit. Or you might get, you know, a, just a feeling that's just dark. Like, I feel like it's a dark spirit. Okay, in Jesus' name, bind a dark spirit and then loose light, Lord. Whatever is the antithesis to what you're binding is what you loose. Now, I know that sometimes people go, well, wait a second, I thought you were supposed to bind yourself to things. And that is true. No, know that it's, it's a little different. So if I, if I want to bind myself to the mind of Christ, that's a good thing. And what that, what that means in Scripture, in, in Hebrew culture, is when a mother would carry around their child, they would bind their child to their body to where that child could not fall off. And so the binding, that binding, when we use that word binding, that's what we're literally doing in the spiritual with ourselves. We're binding our mind to Christ. And so that's a good thing. So we're, we bind ourselves to good stuff. We bind bad stuff. When we bind a spirit of heaviness, what that does is that it makes the heaviness not be able to work. And then we loose whatever the antithesis is. We loose the fruits. We loose the good stuff. As you walk in faith... With what you have, however limited you are, the Lord will be your guide. So just know, it's not by your power that any of this is happening anyway. It's by God's power. You're just being used as a vessel. Use binding and loosing prayers for however he leads you. Bind what is evil, loose what is good. This may seem awkward at first, but think of, this, think of it this way. When David, as a young man, took to killing Goliath, he was outfitted in Saul's armor. But feeling so uncomfortable and hindered by another man's armor, no matter how wonderful it may have fit Saul, David had to go with what he had. And he did. He went with a sling and a stone. Be content with what you have right now. 
Be fearless and let the Lord equip you along the way. He has outfitted you with his special armor and he will be with you as you learn to maneuver in spiritual warfare for yourself and for others. This is the gift of discernment of spirits, but know also that God can give you a discernment as well. So, and discernment is kind of like wisdom to me. Uh, And as uh, every day that you wake up, you should ask God to bind him to your wisdom. Every day I get up, I'm like, Lord, bind me to your will because I want to stay in your will. Bind me to your wisdom because I got to have your wisdom and bind me to your truth. I want to know your truth, Lord, in every situation because I know people are going to try to snow me. I know people are going to try to lie to me and I want to know your truth in every situation. I also ask Jesus to bind me to his mind every day because I feel like there's nobody that understands our plight better than Jesus and he was able to do this life perfect. So if he can do it perfect, I want his mind. So every day I'm like, Jesus, bind me to your mind. Help me to think things that are pure and holy and just and true and worthy of all praise. And then I always pray that the Holy Spirit would just fill me to overflowing and and manifest his fruits in me. Okay, so that is the discernment of spirits. Any questions about that before we move into tongues, the gift of tongues? Got it? Wow, yes. Either I'm really good or you just can't think of anything. I know I'm not very good, so you must not be able to think anything. Okay, so tongues, okay, this great, this is a great spiritual gift, and it can freak some people out, but uh, once you've experienced this, you can see that, you will see that it's not anything to be scared of, uh, and it is actually a wonderful gift. A definition of tongues is the ability to speak in an unknown, unknown heavenly or spiritual language. That's what it means. Now, some people will, or some scholars will teach that there are only two types of tongues. Uh, if you took the Holy Spirit course by John Bevere, John Bevere teaches that there's actually four types of tongues. And uh, that's what I believe now because I went through that course. And so that's what I'm going to teach uh, tonight. The first tongue is the tongue for a sign. Okay, so the tongue is given for a sign. A person can speak a known language that they should not know so that somebody else will believe. That's, that's what that specific gift is. So of the four types of tongues, this one is probably the most, um, it's probably more the most rarely seen, okay? Uh, it's always for a sign for somebody else to believe. And in that series, John Bevere tells a story about uh, they, they were in a service and there was this girl and she was in her row and it was during a worship service and she was just, she was just praying in her prayer language. And um, this guy was standing behind her. And at the end of the service, he leaned over and he goes, wow, what, what part of France are you from? Because I, I've never quite heard that dialect before. And she goes, I'm not from France. And he goes, well, where did you learn to speak so beautifully? I mean, I, I, you, I'm from France and you speak French better than I do. And she goes, I don't know how to speak French. And he goes, but you were. And it seemed like you almost knew me because the things that you were saying were kind of directed towards me. And she goes, sir, I, that, I was actually praying in my prayer language. And um, if that was French, then that was for you. And come to find out he was a non-believer. So in that situation, that tongue was given to her so that a non-believer could believe. We see this in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. Acts 2, uh, verse 5. Now there, were, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Then it goes on to say in verses 9 through 11, it lists some 16 different nationalities with different languages that were hearing these Galileans speak their native tongue. They were unbelievers. It was done as a sign to help them believe. Now, this is a public tongue. So this is a gift that is done for the public and done to edify the public. So it's supposed to be done in front of people. This next tongue is also what you would call a public tongue. And this is the tongue for the use of interpretation. An unknown tongue from the Holy Spirit that is meant for interpretation for the body of Christ. This is the public manifestation of the gift of tongues to bless the church. That's what this specific tongue is for. When the gift comes forth, it requires, though, an interpretation in order to be productive. When the gift of tongues is in operation, it is basically a message from God to those in that meeting. But we cannot speak in the public gift of tongues unless the Holy Spirit moves upon a person to function in this gift and must be accompanied by an interpreter. Okay, and sometimes this is the same person. So I don't know if you've ever seen this. How many of you ever seen this type of tongue before? Okay, a few of you. Uh, so when, when I have seen this type, type of tongue, it was for a group of people, a pretty large group of people. Uh, I've seen it before when uh, one person gave the tongue, the, another person did the interpretation, and then I've seen it before where the person gave the tongue and then gave the, imper- the, the interpretation. It's for public use. It is moved by the Holy Spirit that God has a special message from the Lord that he desires to give, and when the word is given, it will be empowered. So whatever it said, it, it will be empowered. In the scripture where it mentions that not all will have tongues or interpretation, it is in reference to the public ministry use of tongues. I know that, you know, and understand that I, that I have a background, so I went to a Southern Baptist college and went to an Assembly of God church, so when I went to a Southern Baptist college, a Southern Baptist college says, right here it says that, you know, that, all, that not everybody's going to have that gift. And, you know, really, I mean, why would you need that gift? And so that's what they would teach. And, you know, that was just something that would happen in the Bible. And, but, but they were never taught that there were different types of tongues. They just thought it's just tongues for the use of interpretation or just tongues for the use of a sign uh, like it was in Acts that we just read earlier. Now, uh, I believe that uh, you you may have the gift of tongues for interpretation. You may have it for a sign, uh, but that gift is given. It's not for not everybody will have it. But I believe a prayer language gift anybody filled with the Holy Spirit can have. But what I want to move to now is since we're talking about interpretation of tongues or, or tongues for interpretation is the gift of interpretation. No, no need to, to hit this later when we're talking about it right now. Now, to interpret tongues, the definition for that is the ability to interpret an unknown heavenly tongue as empowered by the Holy Spirit for personal or public edification. So most of the time it's done for public to edify the body. Interpretation of tongues often merges with prophecy. It's a life-giving, encouraging word that needs to be proclaimed or declared. 
God doesn't call everyone to speak in the public ministry of tongues, just like we said, and interpretation. So don't feel that if you receive this gift, that you will be forced to stand before a congregation of people to speak in tongues. It's not the way it works. I think some people feel like, well, you know, if you have that gift, something will enter your body, take you over. You will start just blabbering out of control. And then when you're done, you'll just kind of fall over. Just like you're just kind of used, used as a vessel and you have no control. Of course you have control. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force you to do anything. When this gift comes forth for public edification, you will find that the tongue which is being spoken is sharp, it's concise, and flows like an uninterrupted stream out of the mouth of the speaker. The interpretation, whether from the speaker or someone else in the meeting, will also come with clarity and concise meaning. Now listen to this. Interpretation is not the same thing as translation. Translation is converting the literal meaning of the words over into another language. Interpretation is different in that you are expressing the spirit and essence of the message and revealing the spiritual message to the church in a known language for the purpose of comprehension and understanding. That is why the public profession of tongues may last 20 to 30 seconds, but the interpretation of the summary or essence of that word could last two to three minutes. You get, I, I've got that before. I got that from a Baptist brothers before. I've been in, I was in this meeting and man, they were doing these, this tongues thing and it lasts like, you know, just like 20 seconds. And then this dude would come up and he'd just start talking in English and that, that would be like three or four minutes long. Explain that one. Like, how can that be? Well, it's, it's easy when you think about the fact that it's not translation. And you are trying, or you are interpreting a heavenly language. And for us to be able to interpret something that is heavenly is difficult. So you almost have to paraphrase meanings. It's just like when John was trying to describe what he saw in heaven in Revelations. And he, he tried to put earthly words with heavenly things, and he had a really hard time doing it. So to describe a heavenly message in English is going to take more words and more time to do than the tongue would take. So that's that's the difference there, and that's why that, that sometimes can happen. When the interpretation comes forth, the whole church is uplifted and blessed, not condemned, judged, or confused. So if you're ever in a meeting and somebody stands up and they start doing a message in tongues, and the interpretation comes and it's, it's condemnation, it's judgmental, it's heavy, it makes you feel horrible about yourself, that is not from the Lord. Tongues is always for building up and edification. It may be the will of God for you to have both manifestations of this gift, both private and public. But from experience, this gift in the private use is a wonderful mystery of God that connects you to the heart of God. So, so there, is, there, there are those that believe out there that you can have, the, can have the gift of tongues for interpretation for yourself to edify yourself. But normally it's going to be used to help the public somehow or help the body of Christ somehow. We see this in 1 Corinthians 2.10. 2, uh, 2, but we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit. 
and his spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. No one can know that anyone else is really thinking except the person alone, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And God has actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. First Corinthians 12, 10 says to another miraculous powers. This is just a listing of the gifts and where this gift falls in scripture, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, what we talked about earlier, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and then interpretation of tongues. Now the third type of tongues, the last two, three and four are for private use or personal use. The first of which is the tongue as a prayer language. And so you've probably heard people say, do you have your prayer language? If they ask you, do you have your prayer language? They're asking you, do you have the gift of tongues for personal edification? This is a private gift of tongue that is available for every believer for their own personal edification, strengthening, building, and encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, for, your, for if your gift is the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking to God, but not to people, since they won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but, will, but it will all be mystery, mysterious. But one who prophesies is helping others grow in the Lord, encouraging and comforting them. He's talking about the difference between prophecy and tongues. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally in the Lord. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So when you speak in tongues, you strengthen yourself inwardly. Speaking privately or praying in tongues regularly to build yourself in the Lord is important, and it keeps you sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. And there are tons of Christians out there with this gift. Billy Graham will say, I have my prayer language. Uh, my prayer language I got when I was, uh, was nine years old. I, and then I went to a, a, a it was a youth meeting, um, and I uh, was prayed over, and uh, I was it was crazy because I couldn't, you know, I just I was really embarrassed to try to speak uh, that tongue in front of people. So the counselor said, "Look, you got it. Just go home and try it at home in the privacy of your home, own home. This is a private thing anyway." And so I went home, and sure enough, I just. I, I, I got that gift and I've used it ever since, even though I went back and forth between a, a Baptist church and Assembly of God church, a Baptist college and Assembly of God church. And, you know, I just never told my Baptist friends about that particular gift because I knew I'd, yeah, I'd get stoned or something. So not the stoned like in Colorado stoned, but you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> All right. So that's a private gift. It's for the use of a prayer language. And then finally is the tongue for intercession. And this is one that is sometimes missed. And this is praying in an unknown language on behalf of someone else. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever been that way? It's like, I don't, I don't know what to pray for, Lord. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with, his, with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So you may be speaking in tongues, and as you do that, you actually may be interceding for somebody around the world from us. 
interceding for the saints, according to this scripture. Now, I've talked to different people because, uh, about this because a lot of times we go, well, you know, I, I, I know I have my prayer language. I don't know if I have this, this tongue for intercession, but I think I might because it seems like sometime, sometimes my tongue, its dialect changes. And so sometimes I feel like when that dialect in my tongue changes, that I feel like I might be interceding for another culture or another person in another culture. That could be the case. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it, does, it does make sense. But the key is, is it, whether or not it's for intercession for somebody else or it's for yourself, it's still going to be edifying for your spirit because the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. Okay, so that's the four different types of tongues. The last two are private. The first two are public.